Hi, this is Russell Treat. I'm with Interact Energy Services. And a good day to you, sir. How are you? What Now, what part of the country are you in today? Well, I'm actually in downtown Denver this morning. Downtown Denver, but you're based out of, is it Houston? Yes, yeah, oh. I'm based out of Houston. Okay, so but what's going on in Denver? Business, pleasure, or? Uh, business okay. and pleasure, you know, I mean. It's hard all, to it's go- all if you do it right, it's all the same thing. Exactly right. You know, and that, that is, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it, it's important for people to be reminded. I know a lot of us know this, but it's important to be reminded that if you really truly do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Yeah. If you do what you love and you do it with people who you care about, then, you know, every day's a gift. I never thought about that. I, I did, but nicely put, articulately put, that you got to have the people around you enjoy being with. Otherwise, it's a little bit of work managing relationships, huh? Well, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, all and, right. You know, that, oh, that, go ahead. It's easy, to, it's easy to say, and it's hard to do. So let's talk a little bit about your podcast. That's uh, kind of the meat of why we brought you on the program today. You've got an energy podcast. So uh, talk to me about the genesis of this a little bit. How, how did you get into the podcast uh, business or the podcast world? Yeah, so that, that's actually an interesting story. So I'm, a, I'm kind of a, a geek from way back. I, I was playing with computers and software before playing with computers and software was cool. Um and so I've always been interested in technology. I started listening to podcasts kind of in earnest, maybe five years ago. Um, and I, I just had this idea. I liked the medium, and I had this idea about, well, if I were going to do a podcast, what would I do? Um, and I've, I really, I arrived at the name first because it's catchy. It's the Pipeliners podcast. And then I kind of arrived at, yeah, I'm committed, I'm going to do this. And then it took about another year, maybe year and a half to really kind of pull it together and get clear about why I was going to do it, what I was going to do, and and how I was going to do it. And and the why is simply this. You know, I, I learned what I know about the oil and gas business, about the pipelining business, mostly by going to conferences and trade shows and by talking to people older and wiser than myself or hanging out and listening to those kind of conversations. And, you know, the the nature of the pipeline business is it's very kind of geographically dispersed. It's it's all over the place. Um, A lot of people who work in the business may never get to go to a conference and really get any education about, you know, all the various aspects of what pipelining is. So I just decided I'm going to talk to these people who I enjoy talking to and have some fairly technical, geeky conversations, and we'll see if anybody likes to listen to that kind of conversation. And as a vehicle to help people learn the business or learn about the business. And um, I've been really blessed. I mean, the, the, the response that I've gotten has been very positive, and, and, and really it's kind of humbling just how many people have been providing feedback and expressing their appreciation for what it is I'm trying to do. Do you have any background in the media? You certainly seem that you can carry on a conversation. You've got a good voice. Is that just kind of something you have and decided to do a podcast? Or, you know, did you take some journalism classes in college that kind of sparked the bug? No, no, no. You, you know, Jason, that's a great question. I'm an engineer. I mean, I, huh. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty stereotypical engineer. <laughs> you, you seem uh, like you're a little too creative for that engineering field. 
<laughs> well, I'm a little bit of both, but it, you know, I, I work in automation and measurement, and and you'd be surprised how many people that work in that domain are musicians or uh, you know have some kind of artistic talents. Because really, you know, working in technology, or in fact, working in engineering, can be a creative expression. Because you're always trying to figure out a new way of doing something. Oh, I agree. So, I agree. Yeah, so, it seems but, like. But a... I will say this: I, I am a guy who has always been comfortable, you know, going to conferences, writing papers, and being in front of groups and and giving speeches and that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I certainly have a background doing that. Um, I, I sing at my church from time to time. Yeah, that's you know, I'm. I, so I, I have I have kind of always had an interest in uh, I'll call it public expression. Well, I was going to say you don't you seem to like have that seem to be missing that fear of public speaking. Much like for me, I'm the same way. I don't have any problem getting up in front of people and ma- making a fool of myself or wowing them with no. talent. You know, I just I. I enjoy the the rush, the the timing and everything. And there's a lot of people that the majority of the people do not go beyond any thought process beyond the public speaking because they're like, well, I'm not going to get up in front of people. So their dream or their, you know, their their goal just stops right there. And so it's interesting how you phrased it like that, because I've never thought of it in that way about how my lack of fear allows me to do just like you do. I, I'm the same way. I mean, we, we have bands on our programs a lot of times, so I'm spoiled. Like, I look at it like I don't want to go to any more concerts because I have these private concerts in my studio, and I get backstage yeah. passes and, you just know. hang out with musicians and jam, you know. It, yeah, and, and, you know, the same. Over, you know, one of the things about any of that kind of work, and, and it's also true, I think, in public speaking or, or what we're talking, you know, podcasting is there's a little bit of you've got to be willing to be bad to be good. Mm-hmm. Because the the comfort and the the you know the comfort of doing it the the fear decreases as you just you have more experience doing it. But I mean, I still get I still get anxiety from time to time. But you know, I, I view that like an athlete would getting ready for a game. I Absolutely, know, getting ready to go do something I have some passion for. Yeah, and and I, I I approach my programs a lot like how you do. It's it's more of a learning experience more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I'm doing it because I genuinely want to know things and, and yeah, it's, d- yeah. I, I have pretty much an insatiable curiosity I'm, you know I'm, I'm I had a good good friend of mine and mentor who used to say Russell's he says you're going to have a five-year plan when you're planted just and that's just true I mean I'm, I'm always interested in what's next and what's new and, and who's using it and how's it working and you know that that I just have an unlimited curiosity for that type of thing you know, and one of the reasons why I wanted to go down this path and kind of uh, bring this up, which would be an appropriate time now, is anybody looking to do a podcast, some of the advice that I would like to point out that you just heard from two people who have been doing this for a while. Um, I've got 25 years experience doing you know, radio and, and print and about 10 years experience doing podcasts. And you've been doing it, what now, a year and a half, two years? I've been doing a podcast... Um little over a year. Okay, and for me, I would call that a success, and here's why. Um, there was a sensational uh, sensation that happened with the blogging industry where people would get out and blog and all this stuff like that. Well, then after about a month or two months of blogging, they would ghost it away or they would just kind of wither away and die in the vine because people realize this is work. 
And that phenomenon starting to happen in the podcasting world and that sort of thing. So the advice that I'd like to bring up is that if you're if you're doing something that is satisfying your curiosity or you genuinely want to learn about topics and you don't look at the podcast as work, but you look at it as beneficial to either your business or your life or your soul, go nuts and do it. Otherwise, be be prepared. There is some work involved. What, what would you say to that comment? Oh, it's absolutely true. I, th- I think the big thing, I, you know, I, run, I run three businesses, and I think the big thing for me about starting a podcast was figuring out how to resource it, because I have the technical expertise to, you know, mix the sound and build the web pages, but I don't have the time or really the interest in all that part of podcasting. So part of what I had to do is I had to figure out how to build a team that would support what I wanted to do so I could pursue what I'm passionate about, the conversation, and let others pursue their passions around the technology and the sound. Because the other thing, I wanted to do it with a level of quality, um, you know, because there's a lot of stuff out there that's just frankly not very good. The sound is bad. The, the you know the conversation's not organized. So yeah, it's definitely work. And the, and I think anybody who starts a, a podcast, you kind of have to realize that somewhere between episode five and twenty five, you're going to hit a wall <laughs> where you ask the question, "Do you want to keep doing this?" And not only that. Um what am I going to talk about next? And who, who who's going to come on oh, yeah, my program? A, oh my gosh, it's like it's like payroll, man. It it comes every week. I got to have an episode. Well, yeah, and you know, for for a guy like me, I I do them daily, and so you know, I do a day I do daily radio programs, which we then turn into podcasts. And if I didn't have that radio outlet where I have the traditional you know, monetization, revenue source, model, that sort of thing. I, there's no way I would do a daily podcast. It'd be way too hard, way too hard to, to keep up with, unless you were getting compensated for your, that being your full-time job. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, right. But, I mean, I think the point you make is a good one. It is work, and, and, it, and it does require some planning, and it does require some competencies to do it well. So let me ask you this. Are, are you getting – some results and that sort of thing. I, I know you enjoy it and, you know, your team probably enjoys it. But at the end of the day, you do have a part of your strategy to increase awareness of your businesses. Maybe you have advertisers or sponsors or clients or something like that. Are, are you, are you, you must be satisfied. What makes you continue to do it? There, that's the question. What makes you to continue to do it? Well, I, there's, there's, there's a couple of things. One is, every time I get an interesting guest on and I have a conversation, I feel like I make a new friend. And that, to me, just that, that I just find a lot of joy in that. And I love the geeky kind of getting into the weeds of the technology kind of conversations. Um, one, one of kind of my go-to guys, a guy named Clint Bodungeon, and he, uh, he's a cybersecurity guy, and I work, uh, you know, I, I work in SCADA and pipeline control systems and that sort of thing. So cybersecurity is a big piece of that, and we'll get on and oh my gosh, you could you know the geeko meters in the red zone, you know we we just go nuts, and those are some of the episodes I get you know the most feedback about, the most positive feedback about. So one thing is I just love the people, I love the conversation, that and that helps to keep me going. But the other thing is there is a you know there's a business part to this. Um, one of the challenges in in 
in our niche, the pipelining niche, is to get known. So we've been around a long time. I, I actually started the company in 94, but we're relatively small and not a lot of people know about us. So part of the podcast is to you know provide a service to the industry, but also help more of the industry know who we are and that we're here and what we do. When it comes to podcasts, I think if I were to give advice to somebody, I'd say the best way to start or one of the ways to start would be to find out, obviously, what you're going to talk about. And is it going to be a general type of a podcast where you're going to be competing with a lot of different things? Or is it going to be a micro or a niche type podcast where you got to go find your audience because not everybody wants to know about you know granite countertops or whatever? I don't know. What... Um, you, you've got kind of a niche one. Did, did you kind of want to go down that niche route or did you start out with, say, an oil and gas podcast and then it went down to the po- uh, Pipeliners podcast? Do you understand my question? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. I do. Absolutely. And I think it's a great question. I actually gave that a lot of thought because I, there and there was kind of two aspects of this. I didn't want to focus solely on what uh, our companies do, you know, to, to make a living. But I also didn't want to focus super broad. So I spent a lot of time, you know, trying to get comfortable about what is kind of the domain of conversation. And, and what I came to is the domain is anything that somebody working in a pipeline company would be interested in knowing and would be valuable to them to know more about their business and how to do their job. So that's, that's much broader than what we do, but it's also super niche because that that's a hard market to even, you know, figure out how to define. It really is because, quite honestly, their time is so fragmented and demanded that the podcast works out perfectly for somebody in the oil and gas industry, but it's very difficult to get their free time. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and one of the things that that kind of sold me on the idea of, of, you know, do the podcast thing is, you know, in our business, you know, there's a lot of windshield time. So there's a lot of opportunity for listening to radio or listening to, well, even <laughs> depending on where you are, even radio may not be very viable, but certainly you can listen to podcasts. Well, so that- I, I think I think there's a growing demand for good content that is you know helpful to me and what it is I'm trying to do or what I'm interested in yeah I know when, one of the consulting parts I get into is the audio portion whether it be radio whether it be uh, you know podcast it's an audio format which at the end of the day means hands-free and up in North Dakota there's uh, flooding issues and so of course when the floods happen radio becomes king or uh, because everybody needs their hands to sandbag and that sort of thing. And, and that's true when you start thinking of it like that in the oil and gas industry. All those jobs that a lot of those guys need their hands uh, in order to do things. But they can have a, a, a radio station or a podcast going. There's the windshield time. You got engineers and CEOs driving an hour to two hours to a rig and that sort of thing. So they need their hands free and they need to drive on the wheel and listen and that sort of thing. There's a lot of that, you know, even even in agriculture, fixing fence posts, milking cows, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of 
different uh, industries and a lot of different shop time and garage time where the podcasts and the radio really can shine. That's what I've noticed. Oh yeah, I think that, I think that's absolutely true. I think that's absolutely true. I think I think I've been surprised. I might might kind of be interested in your opinion on this because you know it it you hear about you know the hockey stick and you you know you bang into a market for a while and then so, you know suddenly it kind of goes viral. That has not been my experience at all. I mean, we've had fairly quick growth, but it's been steady. Um, that's what I've had. I've had too. Yeah. I've I've had a couple things that have quote unquote gone viral, but I mean that that doesn't. <clears throat> you're lucky if you can probably keep I don't know ten percent of what went viral. I guess you know or pick up. It's it's difficult. You know, um, like I said, people are busy, and in order to get them to, them to subscribe and genuinely subscribe, and and get them engaged. You know, it's it's work. You know, even your own network doesn't necessarily, you know, become as engaged as you'd think, and that sort of thing. Um, so it, it's, I don't know. I, well, I, I there's, just, a, there's a competition for ear time. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, uh, it was a Rupert Murdoch. He used to always say he was in the eyeball competition. That's all. He just wanted people's eyeballs. He didn't care after that, you know, type of a thing. And Rupert yeah. Murdoch, Fox News or Fox yeah. um, Empire. But uh, if, if, by the way, Russell Treat, he's with the, is it Pipeliners Podcast? Is that the name of Pipeliners it? Pipeliners Podcast, yes. So if, if you were to do an elevator pitch, a two to three minute overview, if you would, how would you uh, describe your podcast? Uh, it's where Bubba Geeks come to learn about the pipeline business. And Bubba Geek is an interesting combination of, you know, kind of a nerd redneck, if you will. Um, drives a pickup truck, likes to be outdoors, probably interested in hunting and fishing, and, you know, satellite uplink from the game cam to the truck. Sure. So that that's kind of, those are those, those would be my peeps. So, but, but really, um, I'm being a little flippant, but... Really, the bottom line is this: the Pipeliners podcast is built is is put together for pipeliners, so that they have a resource to learn about the business in all of its aspects. So, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, Russell Treat Pipeliners podcast, uh, I'll give you an opportunity to mention if you have any sponsors or if you have any uh, guests of you know, notoriety, that sort of thing. Go ahead and take a, take a few minutes to talk about some of the past guests and or sponsors. Yeah, so I'll, I'll talk about uh, some guests first. I already mentioned Clint Bowdungeon. Um, we have recently had Ryan Sitton. Ryan's one of the uh, commissioners of the Texas Railroad Commission. For those that don't know, the, and it's kind of strange, but in Texas, the Railroad Commission does not regulate railroads. They regulate oil and gas and pipelines. Um, and that's an elected position. He's one of three commissioners in the state of Texas. Uh, we had Cliff Burton on. Uh, Cliff is president of the Pipeline Research Council. He was talking about a uh, data sharing initiative where they're working with industry to build a um, data store of inline inspection data that can be used to, you know, to develop tools and to develop um analytics for you know looking for faults defects features etc in piping when they're running in line inspection so those were a couple of recent and, and notable episodes uh, we have a lot of people that are 
that are um, you know, work in the pipeline business. Uh, Jeremy Coleman, who is a control center manager for Northwest Natural Gas um, in Portland, Oregon, which is a, the local utility there, has been on a couple of times. Um, so that's a few of the guests. And those are the kinds of guests we, we look to get. Basically, people who have information, and we cover a broad uh, gamut. We had a, a guy with uh, Atmos International, which is a leak detection software company. We did a whole series on uh, pipeline leak detection. There was a lot of interest in that. Um, a gentleman by the name of Mark LaMontagne, he's a PhD engineer in inline inspection, and we did a whole series of podcasts on the fundamentals of inline inspection. Uh, and that, that one was kind of hyper geeky. <laughs> um, so that, that's kind of who we've, who we've had as guests and, and who the kind of people we would expect to uh, continue to have as guests. Um, my most recent episode to drop, we had a gentleman by the name of Casey Yost, and he's a third generation pipeliner and kind of a historian. And we talked about the history of pipelining and you know, what we were doing a hundred years ago versus what we were doing today. I found that one really fascinating myself. Um, so you asked about sponsors. Uh, we, the, the, full, the first full year of the podcast, uh, we did it without sponsors. Uh, we currently um, have a sponsor, uh, Intersys Corporation. Uh, Intersys is a company that provides software and consulting services to the pipeline control center for regulatory compliance and pipeline operations. So um, they've been a real gift. Uh, they've, they've been underwriting this thing. It does cost money to do it, do it well. So um, that's been very helpful. And how can people find it? Or do you have social media? Just talk about how people can find it and how they can subscribe, follow, and do all that modern day thing. Yeah, so we're on all the we're on all the smartphone uh, podcast applications. Just search for Pipeliners Podcast. You will find us. Uh, we have a website. Uh, it's pipelinerspodcast.com. Um, and then, of course, we've got a company page on uh, LinkedIn and a group on LinkedIn, also called Pipeliners Podcast. Anything we missed? Anything you want to reiterate? Anything? Uh, I like to give guests the final word so that way they can make sure that anything they wanted to get out was out or maybe we talked about it already so the uh, floor is yours sir well uh, jason I, I thank you for that I, I think the thing that i i want to talk about that we haven't talked about because there's another there's another kind of underlying purpose of the pipeliners podcast and i think this purpose maybe exists in a number of other people that are doing podcasts kind of in this niche one of the things we're trying to do is get good factual information out and so that the public can get educated about what are the various aspects of pipelining and what are pipeliners doing to, to operate safely and effectively. Um, and we're also trying to equip the folks that are kind of the front line and the front line of our business would be, you know, the guy, the field operators, the ones that are dealing with the landowners that's the front line. So we're try also trying to equip them with information that will be helpful to them when they're, you know, interacting with the public. I was going to say that that's a tough one because when you when you have such a micro audience, it's tough to educate the public. And so it's it's how, how do you 
because the public isn't paying attention to anything outside of Kim Kardashian and um, you know what's that McDonald's tonight. So trying to trying well, to get them to you know what I mean by that. It's it's they're well, so no, they're I, so busy. I do, and, I do, Jason, but there there's also there's a couple of realities here. One is there's a lot of landowners that are impacted by pipelines, probably more so than other aspects of the business. Anybody that's got natural gas coming to their house is interested in pipelines. You know, they're, they're, they're connected to pipelines. Um, so the public that has an interest is probably more broad than what we realize. Mm -hmm. Um, there's one, there's one entity, um, it's called the pipeline safety trust. Uh, the pipeline safety trust was formed, uh, by the Bellingham, Washington community after the Bellingham incident in, uh, 98, uh, which was a really bad pipeline incident. Um, and they actively advocate on behalf of the public and participate in regulatory rulemaking in DC. And their, you know, their primary issue is to educate and inform. In fact, one of the regulatory requirements in pipelining is um, what's called damage prevention in the rule, but that's everything around marking pipelines and having people call before they dig so they don't do damage. Um, and, you know, educating the community that there's pipelines in their neighborhood and they need to be aware of it. So I, I think, I think, um, I get, maybe I'll get off my soapbox now, but <laughs> I, I do think, I do think that, you know, part of what we're trying to do is for those who are interested, provide the information, you know, more broadly than just people working in the business. 